listening to The Second Muse, How Songs Become Songs, brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network. Today I am joined by the band Wild Harbors and their producer Andrew Osenga. Wild Harbors consists of husband and wife Chris and Jenna Baedeker. They write forward-moving, lyric and melody-driven songs laced with intricate vocal arrangements. Often their songs are about courage in the face of adversity and taking risks, subjects that have played a defining role in their story. Andrew Osenga is a 20-year music industry veteran who has found himself in the roles of artist, producer, session player, and A&R representative throughout his career. He has a gift for bringing out the best in those around him, specifically in helping artists discover, cultivate, and take care of their own voices. Andrew worked with Wild Harbors on their debut record, Monument, set to release in its entirety later this year. In this episode, we focus specifically on their song, tomorrow morning. So I named this podcast The Second Muse because I wanted to talk about that muse of realization um, in the creative process with songwriting and record making, specifically um, the moments when you bump up against obstruction and difficulty and resistance and when the song wants to be something different, when the album wants to be something different, just whatever. Um, so it occurred to me when I was thinking about this, this morning in relation specifically to you guys and what I know of y'all's story, that on several levels, that might be something really fun to talk about because, um, you know, it's all fun and games when you have the muse of inspiration going and you're really excited and you have a dream that you want to pursue. And then you have to really work and put in the effort and be discouraged and blocked and all these things. And from what I know of, of your record and of um, kind of the story behind it, uh, that is very much what you guys have been pursuing, um, just getting into the work of chasing music as a career and getting into the work of making a record. So I'd love to hear um, just kind of on a, on a large scale, like how, like what that idea of the second muse means to you guys. A lot of people have said through the process, like, I worked another career for over a decade before doing music full-time, and we've been playing music for a long time, but a lot of people have said, as they've learned about our story, of like, well, it's so great, you're chasing your dream, and that has not felt true to me at all, of like, I don't I don't feel like this was some dream that I'm like, yeah, now I'm going to go do it. I... But I think that somewhat in that, that's because I was waiting for it to feel like that first inspiration of like, I will suddenly feel a desire to pour all of my heart and soul and time and energy into this one thing. And I never, I never got there of my own accord. Those roadblocks that come up, um, I think our life and God wanting us to see something else of I'm keeping you from moving forward on a lot of these things because I'm trying to get you to pay attention to the fact that I'm trying to talk to you. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was it was kind of realizing for me that it may not feel like this glorious moment of inspiration of, yeah, I'm going to go make music for a living and how incredible that will be, but more a willingness to say, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes and 
jump off this well researched and well thought out cliff. Like it's not just a, I don't know what we'll do, but I don't we'll just do it. <laughs> you know, meeting with people who we knew to say, okay, how can we make this work? But at some point, finally, just saying, "Okay, you got to help shove me here, right. and <laughs> I will, I will figure this out on the way down." Maybe a lot of my upbringing, maybe it's my schooling, I don't know, but just kind of rewarding the moments of, "Oh, you're so good at that thing. Look how well you did that thing. Look how easily that came to you." Mm-hmm. So I think for yeah. me to get into a phase of life of confronting. None of this comes easily to me. This is not, I mean, sure, like making up a song at midnight when I'm driving home, like, sure, maybe that comes easily in the moment. It's not necessarily a good song, but the stuff that's good, none of it was coming easy. And so it felt like, well, why would we, why would we pursue this? Why would we dig this down? This is exhausting and hard. But in this past year of finally choosing to do so, there slowly, slowly, there's so much goodness being uncovered from that of being willing to do things that don't necessarily come easily because there there there's so much that god just has to teach me and to teach us through that i've been dreaming of the daybreak a chance to leave this all behind when i won't bow to all the doubts who keep me tossing in my sleep at night I say I'm making for adventure But when adventure comes to call I slam the door and just ignore it So I don't Make a choice at all This time tomorrow morning This time it's gonna change And this time tomorrow morning Oh, I won't be the same Before we continue, a special word of thanks to our sponsor, Lipscomb University. Lipscomb is a nationally ranked research university located in Nashville. They are an intentionally courageous and gracious Christian community. At Lipscomb, you engage top quality academics integrated with faithful spiritual direction, preparing you for your life's work. Learn more at lipscomb.edu. And now, back to our podcast. How did this song start with writing? Like, what was the kernel? What was the initial idea that you chased? Yeah, the kernel was probably that either I was trying to write a song or trying to distract myself from the song I was trying to write. One of those two. So I would have my acoustic guitar out, and I capered it really high, and I started playing this cover of a Green Day song from a record of theirs that I really like. Where all good things begin. Right. Yeah. Wait, is it the one you told me about? Yeah, it's from Dookie. Oh, uh, yes. So they have a song called When I Come Around, and I would play it like really plucky and then just sing the words he sings, but in kind of almost like what the melody is in that song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like an interesting cover I've worked out here where like the chords are a little different and the melody's a little different, and it doesn't even really sound like that. And like I'd play it off and on for a few months, and then like something in my brain went like, hey, idiot, 
if you change the words, you'll have your own original song. Because <laughs> no one else is going to know it's that. So I was like, oh, maybe this is like the foundation for something. So then, like Jenna had probably heard me just playing it in the living room. And then I said, like, let's get all the words out and then put our own words in. And then once we started like trying to figure out what that song would then be about was probably where oh, yeah. we started like consciously working on it together. Mm-hmm. So what part of the song now would that have been when you were playing on your guitar? Probably just the verses. The verses. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a different like uh, vibe even. Like it wasn't that da na 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 na. Right. Um, but it was just me kind of plucking like, you know, I heard you crying loud all the way across town. You've been searching mm. for that someone and it's me out on the prowl. And yeah. so it was all just me singing the verses, but it wasn't the song. So those verses existed. And then all that the song really was in its entire shape was that verse progression. And then after every set of lyrics, there'd just be a blank strum of it with like some sort of melodic thing happening. And then that was the whole song. And we kind of got into this point. We were like, ah, maybe that'll just be what the song is. And um, I think eventually it shaped from that into like a, almost like an A and a B song, like something kind of death cabby where it's like yeah. a whole section up front. And then a section in the back that's not really tied to the front, but then it just ends on that. And that's what it kind of ultimately shaped up to by the time we brought it to Andy, where it was like verse, lyric, melodic thing, verse, lyric, melodic thing, extended bridge that ends the song. And that was mm-hmm. yeah, kind of what we were thinking it would be for a long time. Yeah, structurally, we were, I think, focused on the idea of let's have a song that doesn't just do... A typical song structure. Let's have something really different because we're going to have this whole album of songs. So let's let's have something different, which in fact was keeping us from finishing the song. But when we brought it to Andy, we're like, yeah, it doesn't have a title. And like, here's our list of thirty titles that right. it could be that we've like combed through the lyrics and we don't know, we don't know. And he said, well, it doesn't have a title because it's not finished and you don't have a chorus, and that's why you need yeah. something mm-hmm. to tie this together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so idea-wise, it was, you know, playing with that musical idea that Chris had come up with for a while, and then starting to focus on this theme of talking to a person. At that point, it was in, like, second-person point of view of talking to another person. You've been, you've been, you've been. You've dreaming been dreaming of the daybreak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that line was, yeah. Like, yeah. we, so we're talking to this person of who's, like, Talks all the time, like the person who talks about like leaving town and moving away and doing all these things with their life, but they're terrified to actually do anything and they never do any anything, which was completely me. It was one of those songs where like we're fleshing out all these ideas of talking about this fictional person. And then, yeah, like you're singing through, I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying suddenly in verse three, but I'm, I'm sure, I don't know. It has nothing to do with what we're singing about. It's totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. which was really how a lot of songs on this record kind of came out that it's it's funny how much songwriting for me at least brings out what's under the surface that I'm not necessarily ready to admit or ready to confront um, but it can kind of dig that stuff out um, so yeah so that's idea wise what we were floating around with of having a person that's afraid to afraid to get out there they've talked about it but they're afraid to take a risk whatever that risk might be and 
trying to encourage them mm. and talking to them with this B part of the song of, hey, we've all been there. And you get to actually choose. Like, you are you don't have to stay trapped in this. Because mm. I, I think I did feel very stuck and very, very paralyzed for a little while in indecision. But you don't have to stay there. You can, you get to make choices. And then you get to make different choices if your first choices don't work out. And that's why you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay afraid of making a wrong decision. Um, so, yeah, that's lyrically where it started to go. It just hit me when you were describing that and the difference between the A and B section that you change like person in voicing like the, the yeah. B section turns to like you are talking to you not I mm. um, and you start singing Chris and so that kind of accentuates that stop me if you've heard this one before we long for so much more than what we know we can make a choice to leave the shore that's so cool because you're going from this plight that's being described by the first person character and then now someone else is saying hey like i'm gonna step in here and give you some advice you know Mm -hmm. so that that change in feel was um like already there before you started production yeah even the initial lyric structure to the song was a carryover from the green day idea just probably residual of my shaping it from there in that like he starts the first verse in that song I heard you crying loud mm-hmm. and then the follow up verse is well don't get lonely now so it's like kind of like a verse of like not accusing but like stating maybe harder truths but then the follow up portion feels a little more comforting and yeah. I kind of wanted these like little mirrors in the verses of like I'm seeing you for what you are but also don't worry like but then I wanted the second half of it to not be that same voice, but to almost be like when like the narrator of the play steps onto the stage and says like, all right. So that was like one of the original features of it was just that we kind of had in mind it being two voices. Yeah. And then by the end, still having two voices kind of interweaving a bit so that both are going like as the song is like reaching the end of itself. So you're you're doing that. You're writing these verses. You had... Mm-hmm the song as it existed without a chorus. Right. And then he brought it into production. Yes. Oh, man. So, Andy. This guy jumped (laughs) in. (laughs) And what happened? I mean, what was fun, what was really overall fun with the song and even this whole project was that, like, the things that the songs are about are the things that we would then sit and talk about because they were what was happening in their lives currently. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, working on Hamilton Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, like, we're, and then we're talking about our our real life. It's like no, we're this. This was one nonstop conversation. So mm-hmm. to talk about, yeah, just talk about as friends, and to talk about the lyrics was the same conversation. Um, and I don't remember that that second the second verse. Just listening back on it now, the second verse is the one that really struck me as being really profound. Mm-hmm. Um, the hero idea that like you mm-hmm. you watch a movie of these heroes, and they go and they they. You know, they save somebody's life and you just you kind of cheer from your chair and uh and I was like what would I what would what would it take for me to save my own life by going and doing something now I've been watching on a wide screen fearless heroes saving lives what could I give how would I 
that if you brought that or if that developed later but that came yeah. later i um, love that that, Man. Yeah, that came from after we had shown you the song in its original form. Mm-hmm. You gave us the initial critique, which was add a chorus to it. And he, for us at the time, listed three impossible things. <laughs> he says, I want you to add a chorus, and it needs to be this super, super singable and catchy. And it needs to be a positive statement. Mm. And it should sound like the chorus of Free Falling. <laughs> not sound feel like it's right, feel like, like it. a chorus a very simple yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. not Super a ton simple. of words something simple so for us it's like oh that's what we never do so of course <laughs> I sing lots of words right. about sad things so. that, like to me even like imagining receiving that advice personally I, right. like, I can't I'm sorry I can't here's the thing here's the thing about some songwriters and we are these kinds of songwriters is that there are some people who like uh, write songs because uh, the people who like make pop music write happy songs because that's what they do. But m- I think a lot of artists, so- singers, like singer songwriters, write songs at night when they're sad. Mm-hmm. And so all our songs are sad because we're only inspired <laughs> to write when we're sad. Because yes. when we're happy, we're not writing. We're uh-huh. like boating, you know, <laughs> or we're like playing games with friends, or we're watching Parks and Rec, and so like, we only have sad songs, and so mm-hmm. sometimes the that's like, often the editing process for people of our bent is, okay what's this, what's the story in the daylight? Mm. Yeah. You know, and um, what I love about this song is it's it's not a lament, like it's a this time, to, this time tomorrow things are not going to be the way they are now, like that's a bold mm-hmm. statement, you know? Yeah, and um, and I love because as as they were writing it, that's what was happening for them. Mm. Yeah, and when I first heard that line to this time tomorrow morning, like you can hear it one of two ways. You can hear it as this like really bold statement, which I think it ultimately is at the end of the song. But when I first heard it in context of the first couple stanzas, um, it sounded like okay. Tomorrow, like this time, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm gonna do it. Not today, <laughs> but like I'm, like I'm talking about this. So I'm gonna take my diet is gonna start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna give it 24 hours of talking about doing that. Yes. The and then I can imagine that person the next morning saying, <laughs> "This time tomorrow morning, <laughs> just keeps, keeps going." But what I love about it is that you cross that threshold. You start there. Um, and then by the end of the song, like I'm hearing it differently, and and I mm. really am. Like if we were to look at it musically and kind of mm. analyze what's happening, yeah, we are hearing it differently. We're hearing it in a different key, with a different mm-hmm. feel, um, and different instrumentation. Mm-hmm. So, like, well done. Oh, thank <laughs> you know? you. That is an instance of like that theme is like going all the way in, like yeah. lyrically and musically and everything. It's so cool. Yeah. This time chorus too i i feel like that was interesting to you know we brought we brought you all these options of like well okay well here's an idea here's an idea here's an idea and it was at a point where you're like i've heard four that would all work you just have to pick something and move forward and which as he's learned about me it's not my strong suit (laughs) like no i can't but like very organized options (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it's remarkably this one is consistent. Blue, and this one is orange, and this one is green. And Which and is I, what you're singing about in yes, this song. Right. It's exactly what I'm singing about in the song. Again. I think that's what I was yeah. right. like the, the distinction between what this album is about and what you're doing in your lives is so non-existent that mm. I think it lends so much to the album itself. I mean, I can like hear hear all the struggles and it's really cool that that that's all so symmetrical i guess it's like mm. it's all mm-hmm. part of the same thing that's true um but okay so we've talked about lyrics a lot um what about what about how you recorded it and um t- made choices instrumentally to accentuate things and mm-hmm. stuff like that like what kind of territory did you get into there Whose idea was it to have an awesome B three just like enter and <laughs> well, that's, sound wonderful? That was just that was just hey Ben Shive, what are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> um, yeah, no, just you know drop. So, yeah, we went over to Ben's for just an afternoon. Had four or five songs because Jen is a great piano player. Chris and I can fiddle around, and so together we could probably we felt like we could i mean we could have played all the things on the record but not like that there were a few things it was just like we need like a real like somebody who really speaks this language Mm -hmm. which is you know and um and so we left some holes for ben to fill and and he did with you know stunning virtuosity Mm. Um, and that was just that was just fun. That was, but the song was essentially done at that point, and he just sort of got to put some flavor and you know make little moments happen, which was mm-hmm. a blast. Yeah. Um, I know we kind of we started with the like it starts with the electric guitar. The idea being that it's a little more angsty because that's you know there's angst in the soul. And so that first half is all anchored around the uh, the electric guitar thing. And then the second half starts with an acoustic guitar, which and hmm. strumming, you know. Yeah. And I remember it's like it's a little more joyful, and it's like it, it picks up a little bit. But um, so I know that those were kind of natural. We I know we discussed that kind of making that it was sort of like dark and light a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and then the first half of it's very minor. Uh, you know, the the verses start on the minor, then the choruses start on the four. So you never start a section on the root until you finally like are in the major at that B section of the song mm-hmm. where it goes to the where Chris starts singing and the tempo changes. Yeah. Uh, and so all those were I think some of those were just sort of instinctive but you know we doubled down on them to just to make it feel like something like a like the song that the song was not the same at the end as it was at the beginning which is Real reflective of the lyric. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It sounds like in a lot of ways, in suggesting the chorus at all, and in suggesting more verses, like taking more cracks at it, mm-hmm. that you kind of encourage them to go deeper in both directions, so that there's like greater contrast between the angst and the up tempo, happy, you know, encouraging moments. Yeah, I'd agree. Like. With even like the original B part, not having that chorus at the end, um, it just ends on that kind of like make believe you did something important. Yeah, and that's how it ends. <laughs> oh yeah, and then you have, but now you have this resolution to tag onto that. That yeah. like, no, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of a slog before there was a chorus at all and a chorus in the end to like add these little buoyancy moments. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good way of putting it too, the buoyancy. Is there anything we can illustrate instrumentally by like soloing tracks and doing fancy stuff? Um, I loved like so many, the bazooki and guitars yeah. Yeah. all I at the end. The I was like, man, I just want to hear yeah. what they're doing. No, I love yes. that section. This episode was recorded and engineered by Evan Redwine. For more episodes of The Second Muse and for more great podcasts, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you.